your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Love the way that you love one another and love the way that you want to share life with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to continue our uh, Being Human series. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardbound one somewhere around you. And this morning's passage can be found on page 976. And Nick and Jill, thank you just for being who you are. Thanks for loving Jesus. Thanks for being the people of God, helping us understand what it means uh, to be a, a group of people that live on a global mission, um, we are indebted to you. Ephesians chapter 2. So I love the fall. I love that we get to celebrate the, the change of the season. I love to look at the leaves and how they are developing. I love the weather most of the time when it doesn't rain. Nick and Jill promised they didn't bring the rain with them from England, but I am not convinced of that. But um, regardless, it has been... Um, man, I love the, the fall weather. I love uh, the annual coronation of Alabama football. Um, yeah, I used to like college football, but the, um, it's not even fun to watch anymore. I have to be honest. You know, I turn in, I think I'm going to at least maybe get a half. Can't even get that. But um, to all of you Alabama fans, you have received your reward. All right. Um, <laughs> but I love the fall. But also fall is a time where... Um, the networks bring back your favorite shows and then try to tempt you with some new ones. Um, about eight, eight episodes each, honestly. But um, my wife and I, we picked up a, a new show, and it was an interesting concept. Um, the execution is still kind of out. I mean, I don't know, honestly, if the acting or the writing is that strong, but it's called Manifest. So have you guys heard of this show? All right, if not, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Manifest is uh, it's a story about... Uh, flight 828, um, they take off, and the year is 2013, and when they land, because they experienced some kind of miraculous turbulence, um, they lost five years of their life. And so when they return, everyone has aged five years, relationships have been lost, um, and people are really just trying to pick up the pieces of their lives. They're trying to understand who they are but kind of the, the twist is it's flight 828 and there's this reference to 828 all throughout the show and it's Romans 828 that God has a purpose and a calling. Um, and it's interesting to see this inside of a network television show. And um, it's not because I think this show is great that I draw your attention to it. I draw your attention to it because of the reason that they're actually making the show. The reason behind it is that there's a world that is longing to know who it is. Right? There is a world that's longing to know what their purpose and their calling is, right? But they're not supposed to get that information from a TV show. They're meant to be able to look at the people of God and understand how life works, right? So as the people of God, though, oftentimes we can be just as confused, right? We can be just as empty and living for the same things that the world is living for, and so there's nothing left but confusion. So this morning, we want to talk about the reality that God has made us to be people of destiny, that He actually has good works for us to walk in, that the way that we join together as His people can tell the world a wonderful story about the goodness and the greatness of our God. And so we want to... Um, Listen in because um, most of us, if we're honest, you know, 
during the middle of the week, we don't wrestle with questions of why we're on the planet. But one of the benefits of coming here together in this room and being addressed by God from His Word is that He clarifies those things that are confusing to us. And the reality is we live in a world that honestly can have everything and honestly possess nothing at the same time. God's desire for us as the people of God is to live for a better story, a a better kingdom, a good king, and he has good works that he's prepared in advance for us. We're going to look at that in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be all over the book of Ephesians this morning, but I'm just going to read verses 8 through 10. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we just give attention to God's word? Because these are the most important words that are going to be spoken here this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for allowing us to bump into mystery this morning. Just the idea that you have good works for us is beyond us because we weren't looking for you, but you came looking for us and you've interrupted our stories. Um, But I pray that today that you would have us both individually and collectively come upon a sense of destiny, that there are things that you've prepared in advance for us to walk in as people and as your church. Um, I pray that you would meet each person specifically where they are, that you would help us to understand who you are and who we are in light of that, that we would understand what it means to be a church, that this just wouldn't be some casual meeting that we attend from time to time, but this would be um, a place where we fulfill our destiny collectively. And I just pray that you would help us to engage for the good of the world, um, that Jesus would be glorified. To do that, we need you to send the Spirit. Apart from that, we can't do anything. Apart from you sending the Spirit, we can't understand your word. But I pray that you would be glad to perform this on behalf of your people for the sake of your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love uh, the book of Ephesians. I refer to it often. I mean, it's this wonderful big picture of the church. Chapters 1 through 3 just gives this grand vision that God has from the foundation of the world, prepared a people to proclaim His goodness and His grace and His mercy. And then chapters 4 through 6 kind of gives a picture of what that's like on the ground. How do we do that together? And um, really, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 kind of function like that. It gives us both the, the picture of the message of salvation, and then on the other hand, it gives us the purpose of salvation. So the message that we have all received, it's by grace you have been saved, right? This is not your own doing. This is God who is rich in mercy, raising us from the dead, that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were following um, really the, the prince of the power of the air, and we were lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. 
the reason that he made us alive is not so that you could come in here and sit in a room and be addressed by me. God actually saved you so that you would walk in good works that he's prepared from the foundation of the world. God wants us collectively to be able to walk out the good works that he has prepared in advance for us. Verse 10 says that we are his workmanship that's created in Christ Jesus. That word literally means we as the church are God's masterpiece. He is a master and a skilled builder. He is an artist. And His greatest work is revealed in His Son and in His Son's church. And so He's made us to display the great worth of Him as the great artist. And we have this privilege of being able to live out the good works that He has called us to be. Now, As we wrestle with this idea of destiny, it's important that we understand a couple of things. The first is that God actually has specific good works for every person in this room to walk in, right? It's not just this general, hey, whatever happens, whatever will be, will be. He actually has mouths that He intends to feed through your hands. He actually has churches that are meant to be planted from this church to reach people that have been forgotten, right? God actually has good works prepared for every person in this room. We all collectively together and individually have a destiny. He prepared those things in advance for us to walk in. But so we're bumping up against both God's sovereignty We believe that He is sovereign over the entire universe. From the tiniest atom to the most gigantic star in the universe, God is sovereign and in control. But if we misunderstand sovereignty, it will make us passive, right? We just kind of end up succumbing to some kind of view of fatalism. Whatever will be, will be. When we rightly understand God's sovereignty, it moves us to action. It moves us to be responsible people that walk in the goodness of the things that God has prepared in advance. So I'll use an example like this. So I'm sure you heard recently there was about a billion dollars in the Powerball, right? All right, remember this? Um, so imagine you hold the winning ticket to over a billion dollars in your hand. Right? Your destiny has brought you into contact with that lottery ticket. Now, think about how insane it would be if you just held on to that lottery ticket and you never cashed it, right? Your destiny, if you never cashed that lottery ticket, would be that you had a million or billion dollars of worth of a lottery ticket that you never cashed, right? That's kind of how sovereignty works. Our destiny It's a purpose that God has for us, but we must walk it out. You must cash the ticket. You must actually use your money and your resources and your time and your talents and all of those things to walk out the good things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. We must step forward into faith. And so I want to just work through a little equation with you to help us to understand how do we actually come into contact with the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. The, the equation is that we find our identity in God's story. Then we find our place inside of God's church. 
then we lock on to and engage and find our purpose in God's mission. And that means we live out the destiny that God has for us, right? So this is going to help us to understand all the things that God has prepared in advance. Now, the son is not in here this morning, but if he was going to tell you anything, he would tell you one of the most important things about any superhero is their origin story, right? And that's why he likes Marvel and not DC, but I don't really know any of the Marvel stories. The origin story is when the hero comes alive to the purpose that they're on the planet. So for Superman, right, it's when the fortress of solitude is revealed and that he's the son of Jarrell and he takes on his identity as Superman. For Luke Skywalker, right, I mean, it's when he gets the lightsaber from Obi-Wan Kenobi. He realizes it's his destiny to become a Jedi, just like his father. For our hero Jesus, right, that moment was at his baptism. Jesus um, was being baptized in the Jordan River. God speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That is his origin story. That is his identity. Well, for us as the people of God, it is equally as important for us to understand our origin story. Our origin story is found in Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to read a few verses because our identity is linked to our purpose. There are literally thousands of voices that you're going to come in contact with every week that's going to try to get you to live out a different story than the one that God has created for you. But this is what God says about you if you have placed your faith in Him. If you've not placed your faith in Him, this could be your inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6. We are chosen and loved by God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So what does this say about our identity? It says that we are chosen that we are predestined in love to be adopted into His family as sons and daughters. Now, listen to verse 7. It says, we are redeemed. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins according to the riches of His grace. So we are loved. We are chosen. We are adopted we are redeemed. Now look at verses 11 through 14 with me. It says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, you see that destiny word, according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His wills, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is who we are as the people of God. We are 
before the foundation of the world, predestined in his love for adoption as sons and daughters. The world tells you who you are is what you do, what you can earn, and what you can prove. God says, you are my child before the foundation of the world. That's amazing grace. That's a story that's worth living in. Religion says that you must earn and you must prove and you get what you deserve. But God says, I have poured out the riches of my mercy and kindness on you before you've done anything good or bad. You have been predestined in love. So the gospel defines us. But then verse 7 says that we have been redeemed. This is a freedom word, right? We are freed from the penalty of sin. We are freed from the power of sin. And we're freed to live for a better story, right? I mean, most of us, if we're honest, we know the emptiness of living for what the world promises and offers. God is offering us the forgiveness of living in other stories and the power to live for a better story. God wants us as the people of God to be able to demonstrate to the whole world His worth and His value by the way that we handle our time and our money and our resources and the way that we participate together as His church. We are redeemed. That means we are free to honor Him and worship Him and love Him. He wants to free us to live for a better story. And then verses 11 through 13 says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's a guarantee of our inheritance. That means that we are secure as the people of God. Right? Let that speak to your fears. Right? Let that speak to your anxieties. We are secure in Him. So this wonderful story that tells us our identity is that we as the people of God are loved. We are loved so we can love, right? We are free so we can see other people set free. We are secure so that we can take risks to see other people come to know the freedom and the mercy and the kindness of Jesus. That's how our identity shapes our purpose so that we can begin to live in the good of God's story as His people. But not only that, this this is probably going to be the hardest thing for us as Westerners to get our mind around. This is not just an individual story, right? We are collectively the people of God. So this story has a context. For you to be able to fulfill your destiny as children of God, your future and your destiny finds its fulfillment inside the church of the living God, right? This isn't just for isolated individuals to go and live their stories and then come back in this room on Sunday. No, it's God has sent His Spirit to join us together around Jesus so that corporately together we can witness to the reality that Jesus is alive. So let's begin to look at what it might be able to do to find our place in the church of Jesus Christ. The church is God's plan A to reach the world, right? The church is God's plan A to reach Jonesboro. The church is God's plan A to reach your neighborhood and your school. God's plan A, and there is no plan B. This has always been his plan. This should be on the screen for you. Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. This is, listen to the beauty of the church. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known 
to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's plan has always been to have a people. God's plan has always been to have a church. Listen, and we have the privilege of His people of taking up that identity that we are the people of God. That this has been His plan from eternity past for us to be in the room. Whether you think some job transfer brought you here, God in His sovereignty brought you here to live out this story if this is your church home so that we could live this out together. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 uses this word. It's the manifold wisdom of God. That literally means the multicolored wisdom of God. That speaks to both his desire to have a multi-ethnic bride that's diverse, right? I mean, a church that's not as diverse as the kingdom of God needs to grow. I'm so thankful that God's doing that in our midst. But it also says that this displays something to the rulers and authorities. These are spiritual powers that are at work. They are invisible to us. But what this says is when we are the church, from the smallest thing to the person that opened up the building and the person that put up the coffee, it's declaring something to the entire universe, right? That everything is declaring the wisdom of God. So when we link arms together as the people of God, when you attend your gospel community, when you use your gifts to serve the kingdom of God and people in the heavenly realms are marveling at the mercy and the grace of God. Listen to this verse. Ephesians 4, verse 7. You have been gifted to be a part of this body. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When He ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. The truth is, there is no such thing as an ungifted Christian. And the way that you can most honor the giver of the gifts is to use the gift, right? So, so it, I mean, right? Tar- Target is already on the move, right? I mean, Christmas Day is coming. It is uh, right around the corner. And the way that my children most honor me when I give them a gift is to enjoy and to use the gift. They don't, it's not about comparing the gift that they receive to other people that are all around them, but it's using it. So listen, this is a place that you can be the person that God's created you to be. It is our desire as pastors and elders to be able to equip you to be the person that God's created you to be. So, But we can't do that merely by just hanging out on the sidelines, but we must get involved and be engaged. And I'm thankful that that's what you all want to do. Then Ephesians 4, it goes on to talk about some specific gifts, um, apostles and prophets Um, evangelists and shepherds and teachers, and they do all the work of ministry. Is that right? No. You can can say no. Um, Look at Ephesians 4, verses 12 and 13. What's the purpose, right? Why am I standing up here today? Verses 12 and 13. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? 
So this is about maturity. This is about us being equipped to become the people that God has created us to be. So yes, as leaders, we so want to serve and we so want to model those things. But our ultimate calling and the thing that we're going to stand before Jesus is, did we equip you to do the good works that God has created you to do, right? And so we're wanting and longing to do that. We have a leadership course where we need desperately need more leaders. We need people that are saying, I'm willing to own the mission together. We need more people to, to serve and to help um, welcome people on Sunday morning so that, that when all of you arrived, that you were greeted and you had hospitality provided to you. We want to have just the most excellent hospitality in the entire city. Not because we want to be great, but because Jesus is worth it. So we want to see people use their gifts. Listen to this quote from Terry Virgo. It's appropriate that I use this today. Uh, they've been in Terry's church before. It's a, he says, If you did a Bible study on the word equip you would see that it speaks of completing, restoring, and preparing. It's the same word used to describe the disciples when they were mending their nets. They were equipping their nets for more fishing. They were sewing them together where they had been torn, preparing them for more action. So a lot of ministry consists of rebuilding lives, and only to mend them, not only to mend them for their own sakes, but to get them back in the sea for a catch. Saints are to be equipped for this work of ministry, remembering that, that there are marching orders from Jesus are to go and make disciples of all nations. Pastors are not just preparing sermons, they are preparing people for their ministry, right? So my solemn commitment to you as a pastor of this church, I will do everything that I can to help you become the people that God has called you to be but I can't do that on my own, right? So we have structures and we have gospel communities and we have leadership courses. The way that you walk in the good of those things is you come inside the body and you participate and you find life in those things. The purpose is not in Christianity is not to attend a meeting. It is to be meaningfully involved, right, with other people for their maturity, right? A church that's healthy, people begin to look more and more like Jesus, right? It's not, it's not a win for you to come in here and to be saved, and then 30 years from now, you're doing the same thing. This is about us growing in maturity and becoming the people that God has called us to. Look at verses 14 through 16 of Ephesians 4. It says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is what we're to do. Rather speak the truth, which is Jesus in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint when it's equipped, when each part is working properly. And that is our prayer and our goal makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this is a picture of a church that has been gifted by Jesus, where members are meaningfully connected to other people for their maturity and growth and the knowledge of the Son of God. So my question is, are you living that kind of life today? Are you meaningfully involved in the life of other people for their maturity and for 
their growth in the knowledge of the Son of God. You simply cannot become the person that God has designed you to be apart from doing those things. Your destiny is bound up with the people of God. So for us to be able to learn what our gifting is, it does not come from a personality test. And I love personality tests. It comes by being involved in the life of the church of the living God. Right? So, and this, we prayed this for you this morning. I'm going to talk to the youth. We want you to be able to live for a better story than we've lived for most of our lives. We want you to be free of the emptiness of materialism. We want you to be able to live for something more than the popularity of your friends. We want you to be able to live for the glory and the fame of Jesus. And we want to pave the way for you, but we want you to go further and faster than we are. Everything that we're doing is so that you can take your place as full-fledged members of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has for you. So we, as the people of God, are meant to pave the way, right? We're meant to join our lives together. And then finally, I'm going to close with this. To, to actually become the people of God, you, you have to know who you are. You have to be involved and find your life inside the church. But then you also have to be engaged, you know, in God's mission. Like it, it is an absolute tragedy for for churches just to take up kingdom resources just to exist. I mean, we exist to see the aroma of Christ spread from here. And there's some specific things that, that God has called us to. And these, these are the things, like if you want to begin to, to walk out, what does it mean to be on mission? I mean, it really does begin in prayer. The things that you pray about become the things that you love. Um, I mean, I mean, that's why Nick and Jill are here this morning. They prayed for me a couple years ago. And now they're here in this room because the things that they pray about become the things that they care about. And God has this for us to walk in as the people of God. I think there's a unique call for us as, as Fellowship Jonesboro um, to provide thirsty living water to people that are burned out on religion. That has been the story of so many of you in this room, and I'm grateful for that. But we must continually, right? So it, it's, it's kind of like this. Um, the lottery ticket that I used earlier, like that wasn't just for you. Like we are literally carrying other people's money in our pockets and we're meant to be dispensers of the grace and the kingdom of God. So we want to just pray. And the more that we pray about these things, the more that God's going to open up our eyes um, to be able to participate in that. Also, um, believe, I mean, God's really been speaking to me that as a church, I think he's calling us to some places that aren't sexy, right? They're not going to, they're not going to be on the the front of some magazine somewhere, but they are places that he remembers, even though everyone else has already forgotten. And so I don't want to go into too much, but I would invite you to, to pray with us and for us about this, right? I mean, God has a special attention on the marginalized and the outcast, and he has placed us in a region of the country that has been forgotten by the rest of the world, right? We don't have to go to Haiti or Nepal to be able to see people that have been cast off and that are beat down. 
we have the privilege right now to become the people of God to be able to engage in that kind of mission. So I just want you to pray into that. Um, But finally, I think this is the action point. None of this works if we don't leverage our gifts together, right? It's not just enough to have gifts of generosity in this room. Those of you with gifts of generosity need to disciple other people into generosity. Those of you that know how to pray well need to not just pray on your own, but to be able to bring other people along and train them how to pray. Those of you that are gifted and caring for the hurting and the broken, you want to bring people alongside. And the most perfect context that we have for that, I'm not, this is not a hype machine, is gospel community. Like That's what we're doing. We're not just hanging out wanting to have dips and chips. Like We really want to be able to share the life that we have with God with one another and with other people. So we want to leverage the gifts that God has given us together. And then um, there's this refrain, and I'm going to just close with this. At the end of Ephesians 3, think about what He might be pleased to do. Ephesians 3.20, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Right? This is God's promise for His people. Let's pray. Bands, you can join me. Father, I pray that right now that you would just help us not find our identity and our story and what the world promises or what religion promises. I pray that you would help us live as freed people, as forgiven people, generous people. I pray that you would help us to find our place in the church for the maturity of other people and that as, as others grow, we grow. Father, I pray that you would help us to be meaningfully involved in mission that wouldn't just be something that's cool to put it on a bumper sticker, but it would be something that marks us as people. Um, just thank you that you are patient and kind with us. And thank you that you've already done all the heavy lifting on the cross. That you have prepared these works, not because we were righteous, but because you were. So help us to live as your people in the righteousness that you've provided and the power that you've provided. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.